Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Tonight, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor. We're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, tonight at 9, 8 central on CBS. Tonight, it's the CBS original comedy, The Neighborhood. I need at least a month to prepare for a debate, not six hours. Actually, it's four hours. <laughs> no, my watch is broken, too. With Cedric the Entertainer, Max Greenfield, and guest star Wayne Brady. You gotta fund the schools or graduate fools. I stole all my lines. Look, don't worry, I got a plan. Okay, well, what is it? Okay, so I don't have a plan. A new episode of The Neighborhood. You're gonna have to give them a show. Tonight, 8, 7 central on CBS. Sports Radio FNZ, 7 o'clockers, welcome to the party. Braves with a walk-off win, walk win last night. Canes blow a 2-0 lead in the third period. Folks on uh, on text or, and uh, Twitter are attributing that bone to the Mac curse. I may have picked him. <laughs> may have picked him in this series. We had sports back. Luca plays great, puts up 42, but uh, you have the uh, Clippers winning last night. It's great to have all this sports. We talked a lot of Panthers and a lot of college football in the first hour as well. We're going to do some Hornets this hour. Um, we're going to do some Panthers this hour. And we're going to keep the college football stuff going in a second here on the Mac Attack on FNZ. In the Charlotte Comfort Systems, temperature is 66 degrees. Charlotte Comfort Systems has six months, no payments, no interest available. All right. Um, uh, let's see here. Boney, uh, we do, yes, yesterday on the show, um, we were talking about you know how UNC has pulled the students. You know, uh, our next guest is concerned about all the schools that haven't done it. Yeah, you know? Mac had a chance to talk with Stuart Mandel of The Athletic, and he, we got the news afterwards. UNC pulled the students. Stuart discussed if that is the biggest obstacle to having college football season in 2020. I know why the schools are having everybody come back. They want the tuition. They don't want kids to uh, withdraw uh, if it's going to be online only. But everything we know about COVID-19 and how it spreads, colleges are, you know, the opposite of what you're supposed to do. I mean, I, I refer to dorms as cruise ships on land. And, um, you know, you can't convince 19-year-olds to not party and to, um, to social distance at all times. So I think that the people in the sport right now, the people that are still playing, are still playing to play, feel one of the reasons they feel good and they feel confident is that they have done, for the most part, a pretty good job of keeping the uh, positive tests low within their football programs uh, recently. The problem is now, you know, they're not in a bubble anymore. And um, I think the the ability of those three power conferences to play football this fall will probably be decided almost entirely over the next month by whether they can, the players can, can manage to remain isolated from what's going on around them on the campus. Yeah. And then, and they're young people too, who got friends that are regular students have, you know, you know, uh, friends of the opposite sex that are regular students as well. So, 
there's a big challenge there. I mean, would, would it have been possible? Would, would they have been better off, Stuart, trying to do, you know, all these schools that have the big-time college football programs, trying to do all remote learning so that they almost could kind of bubble the, the athletes there on campus? Or would that just look bad? Would the aesthetics of that not be doable because it's like, oh, this, camp, this is okay for the players, but it's not okay for the students? Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, the best way to ensure that it, that you could make it work would be some sort of bubble. And I know that that's not you're not going to have an NBA style bubble with college players. But whether it's uh, you know putting them up in a hotel for four months, or uh, you know, like you said, you know, online. A lot of people are going to be doing online only this semester. A lot of schools are only doing online yeah. only. Uh, so it's not like that's only football players that are doing that. But I think from day one, there's been the optics they've had to deal with that if they do something that drastic, it's a, it's an admission that the athletes are not regular students. And so many of the NCAA's um, legal arguments and, and otherwise have always made that the, the central part. That they can't be professional athletes. They can't be paid. They can't be employees because they're students. And so um, that's, that's understandable that they want to take that, that approach, um, but it is going to make it that much harder for them. We're talking to Stuart Mandel from The Athletic, theathletic.com, great college football writer. Stuart, the, folks have been coming after the Big Ten from all angles on this one, you know, whether it is Justin Fields starting his petition or parents of, of players at some of the schools, media fans in general. Do you feel like does the Big Ten deserve all this backlash they have gotten? I mean, I understand why they're getting it. I mean, it's not – look, at the end of the day, this is not some – crazy uh, idea to cancel a fall sport. Somebody pointed out to me there's 1,200 schools in the NCAA across their three divisions. 1,200 schools and, and less than 100 are still planning to play. So it's not like the Big Ten is the only ones to think of this, right? Uh, but they did a terrible job explaining their decision. The Pac-12 that, you know, canceled the same day and they put out their full uh, set of recommendations from their medical people. And if you read them, you go, oh, if this is what the doctors are saying, then yeah, there's there's no way they could play because they weren't going to be able to to meet the testing requirements, and um, certainly they expressed a lot of concern in there about the heart conditions. We don't know what the Big Ten's medical people said; they never released it. Uh, Kevin Warren, the commissioner, uh, did not hold a press conference and answer questions. He went on the Big Ten Network for about seven minutes, um, and and I think also the fact that they announced their schedule a few days before they turned around and canceled it. So I get it. I mean, look, players are going to be frustrated. They're, they're going to be upset that they don't get to play football this fall. I totally understand that. But I think they could have um, reduced, if, if not avoided, some of the criticism if they'd actually been more transparent about their announcement. Do you? Here's another one, too, because I, I am usually, Stuart, very, and I feel like you are, too, I'm, I'm very pro the players' voices being heard, right? And, and But... When it comes to, because you hear this one all the time, man, the, it's the whole petition, right? And there's hundreds of thousands of signatures on this petition from Justin Fields. Players want to play. Coaches want to coach. Let them decide. But to me, I just feel like these university presidents, they can only only take into account that the student-athletes want to play so much. They've got to make a decision that is above that, right? Yeah, I mean, think about, you know, I'm not – don't mean to disparage the parents who are writing these letters to the Big Ten by any means, but, I mean, think about if they'd taken that approach with their own kids, if the kids were, you know, when they were growing up, were like, I'm going to go uh, ride a bike near a cliff. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, that, that kid, yeah, that's what he wants to do. He knows the risk, so let him do it. You know, I mean, somebody in charge has, at the end of the day has to make that determination. 
Um, the, the, you know, again, we didn't release the recommendations, but if their doctors and their, um, uh, you know, the health professionals they consulted with said it is not safe to play, I'm sorry, but the school can't turn around and say, oh, you can play if you want to. So um, now the difference in the three conferences that are still going, the three power conferences, are their doctors so far continue to maintain that it is safe. So, um, you know, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, they have to listen to the doctors one way or the other. Does that, do you have a, I think a lot of fans have a problem with that, right? Like that concept of, well, why are these doctors saying this? And I've heard the NCAA doctors, I know you, you had a couple of quotes on Twitter, have come out and said really damning stuff about trying to play sports here in the fall. But then you have ACC and SEC doctors that are good right now. Is that, does that bother you and should it bother fans or no? Um, if there's one thing I've learned throughout the last five, six months as we've dealt with the pandemic is that doctors and scientists don't agree with each other about anything. Uh, you know, you'll see some study that gets reported in the news, and then a week later, some scientists, other scientists debunk that study. So it's not unusual for there to be disagreements in the medical community, but it's, a, it's not a coincidence, right, that, that you know, the, 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 the doctors seem to have an, the doctors in the states, in the part of the country that have been the most um, you know, uh, pro reopening and and whatnot about just everything to this point are the ones who are saying it's safe. And then the doctors in the part of the country and the West Coast in particular that have always been more cautious are the ones saying don't play. So you, you can't separate that from the politics. And you know, I've tried to explain that to people recently. I mean, the, the political pressure in the state of Alabama, in the state of Georgia, in the state of Florida to play college football this fall is a lot different than here where I live in California, where there is no political pressure, where, if anything, if the Pac-12 tried to play um, at a time when the um, case rate is still extremely high in California, the politicians here would come down on them. So, you know, the doctors are not oblivious to that. Who wants to be the doctor? who tells Nick Saban he can't play football this fall. That's a really good um, point. You know, they're not operating in a vacuum. Really good point. All right, Stuart Mandel, TheAthletic.com, one last question. I notice you've kind of got you know your rankings now going in, and we've we've now have only the three Power Five conferences. Two of them are out, and you've got the Tar Heels right there at number 10 at the end of the top 10. I mean, with three Power Conferences playing, let's assume they do play, is UNC a legit playoff contender this year, or are we is are we still a year or so away from that? Yeah, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves if we talk about that. I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself even putting them in the top ten. But it, again, we have to recalibrate. <laughs> yes. it's, it's top ten out of uh, you know uh, seventy schools instead of 130. Yeah. Uh, they had a great, you know, very promising first season. I do think they were better than their record last season, and they bring bring pretty much everybody back. Uh, especially on offense and a great quarterback. So, you know, I think that the, the potential was always there to have a, a big second-year leap under Mac Brown, probably getting ahead of ourselves. I'm probably jinxing them by saying top 10 right now. It seems a little premature, but you know, that was mostly an exercise that I did last week just to see what it looks like when you take away 40% of the field. And, and, and I mean, you time, if I were the AP, I would do an AP top 15 this year because, some of the teams I was throwing in there at the bottom, it was ridiculous to say they were top 25 teams, but you got to get them from somewhere. All right, so that's Stuart Mandel, the athletic, talking about all the, you know, 
stuff that is driving us crazy with will the sport play? Can they pull this off? But at the end, Bone, you pointed this out to me. I did not see his rankings that he did where he re-ranked, right? He got rid of the Big Ten teams, got the Pac-12 teams out, the fall rankings. He'll have spring rankings in a few months, all right, for the Pac-12 <laughs> and Big Ten. And you told me, Mac, you got to ask him, he has uh, UNC now 10. And I got a little overeager. I asked him, are they a playoff contender? And he pretty much shot that, you know, got rid of that, you know, rejected that shot and waved his Matumbo finger at me. I think it's a fair, it's a fair question to ask, though. I don't think it's I, that insane. You, but when you start getting into the top ten, like with the Big Ten there, I would not ask that question, right? They, matter of fact, like look at the coaches poll. Before you got rid, before the Big Ten and the Pac-12 called the season, UNC was 19th in the coaches poll. But when you take the Pac-12 and the Big Ten teams out, they're 12th. Like, it just feels like with if only three conferences play, how close is UNC to that mix? I would not bet on them to be a playoff team. I do think that is a year. Hell, maybe it's even two years away from them contending for a playoff. I do believe Mac Brown will have that team in playoff contention. I think Mac Brown will win an ACC title at some point. It's probably not going to happen this year. And I get what Stewart's saying. Like, UNC is not your ordinary top 10 team, probably, right? It's the same reason, Bo, when you showed me the updated, one of the updated power rankings someone did, and Virginia's in the top 25 now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Virginia and Mississippi <laughs> State worked their way into a, a recent top 25. I will say this, though. What is, is UNC in an ordinary, ordinarily a top 10 team right now? Probably not. But it's also not a normal year. It's not a normal year schedule-wise. It also, I think it's going to get a little chaotic in some matchups. I think there's going to be a lot of upsets. I think there's going to be a lot of top teams on the ropes this year because there's also going to be an adjustment to environment changes as well. Clemson, I'm just using them for the example. Clemson is running down that hill this year. That crowd's not behind them. There's not that See, environment. Alabama, Tuscaloosa. Yeah. That talent might win out most of the time, but I think some of these top teams this year are going to find themselves in more battles, even at home, than they normally are. See, that's are. interesting because I was listening to Greg McElroy yesterday. I was watching ESPN Live on on uh, on TV. Of course, that's where you watch it. College Football Live, yeah. And, or College Football Live. And Greg McElroy said he thinks chalk will hold up more than usual. Really? And, and this is already a chalky sport. Mm. He says because a lot of the upsets happen when great teams go to road environments that are really tough, and that's the equalizer. He says now great teams go on the road games. It's not hard. The great, he says the best team will win every game because the crowd will not be a factor. That's you, Greg McElroy. You can flip it around, though, and say the great teams at home don't have that normal fan but base. But his point is they don't need the home field okay. advantage. The, the, worst, the lesser team needs home field advantage. I don't know, man. It's not the, it is not the first or the last time you've disagreed with a Mac. You know what I mean? <laughs> Coming up next, Donovan Mitchell puts on one of the most historic playoff performances of all time. But why did it leave Mac depressed and sad? We'll explain next. It's Mac and Bone on Sports Radio FNZ. Sports Radio FNZ, Mac and Bone. We are delivered by Bojangles. Home in the 1999 Bow Box. Feed the whole family today Woo. at Bow Jangles. All right, at 7:40, Bone and I will stand for Matt Rule. Is that how the kids say it? We yeah, will you, stand you, for you, Matt Rule. Yeah, you want to be a stand? Yeah, yes. S-T-A-N, stand. Okay. We're stands. We're going to do that, baby, because Matt Rule is making me feel better and better about him in camp. But something I do not feel better and better about it's the Hornets' past decisions. Tell and me why. Full disclosure, Bone. Mitch Kupchak's doing a better job. Last couple years, you can't deny some of the draft picks he may get in Devontae in the second round. 
By the way, Devontae will be representing the Hornets in the draft lottery on Thursday night, so maybe he can bring some much-needed luck. But there is no – I can't help it, man. And I, I know we have a debate within the studio, I think within the fan base, about about how to handle these sort of things when we're watching the playoffs. Because when we watch the playoffs, I can't help but get post Hornets mistake traumatic stress disorder bone. It's a problem, like, and then he don't stop talking about it on social media, and then on in, in the studio. It's an obsession, and like there's one guy that's bothering you the most, and but, I don't understand why just one guy. But does it not bother these problems? Listen, it was an awesome game. That for anybody that was watching, I'm sure I'm sure many of y'all were supposed to be working, so are watching this thing. The, the Denver Utah game is amazing, and Donovan Mitchell putting up 57 was entertaining to watch. And then Murray says, "All right." I got something for you and goes off too down the stretch to win a game in overtime for the Nuggets. But like, I can't be the only Hornets fan that can't watch Donovan Mitchell excel and put up the third highest playoff performance in the history of the sport, Boney, and, and think he could have been teamed up with Kemba Walker. Steve Clifford, our coach at the time, wanted Donovan Mitchell. That was the guy in the war room he wanted. And we took Malik Monk. It just drives because me here's crazy, the, man. Here's Your own thing. head coach was stumping for a guy that would have been that star backcourt mate with Kemba. I can't get over it, man. Because I have an entire sheet in my hands of missed picks from 2011 to 2018. <laughs> it's not just Donovan Mitchell. Are you aware of who went one pick behind Donovan Mitchell? A guy that Rick Bunnell of the Charlotte Observer wrote about the day of the draft or the week of the draft and said, this might be the guy who went one pick, literally one pick past Donovan Mitchell. Bam Adebayo, an all-star. all-star yeah. One of the best players Two in the game. Two all-stars right after Monk. Couldn't use Bam Adebayo on this team as well. So I'm saying there's guys all through the entire draft from 11 to 18. It's not just one guy. How about this one, for example? 2014, they picked Noah Vonley, who they later traded away for Nick Batum. Who went four picks later after Noah Vonley? 2014. I don't know. Zach Levine. Who they they actually had interest pre draft in Zach Levine. This too. is my point though. You like go they had interest every- in Bam and and Mitchell pre. Like these are guys that they're considering and they just make the wrong decision. But 2015, but, they took Frank Kaminsky, passed on Miles Turner. All right, Miles Turner's okay. They also passed on Devin Booker. So you're all obsessed with Donovan Mitchell. Do you know how good Devin Booker would be with Kemba absolutely. or without Kemba Walker? Well, absolutely. But here, here's, so here's the thing, though. You're not making it any better for me. Like, that's why this stuff bothers me. Like, I guess my point is, I, I the, the NBA playoffs last yesterday were cool. Games on all day, all night. And we had some fun ones, and and there's a March Madness feel to it. There really is. But awesome. I can't be the only Hornets fan in this town that watches the games and finds themselves having this post-Hornets traumatic stress disorder. For example, you know I'm rooting for the C's in the playoffs. The, the, the because of Kevin Walker. Not even right? the Celtics, his C's. And I like that game. I like the fourth quarter they Guy had last night. He calls me last night on a work call and says, hey, don't tell me about what happened at the end of the game. I'm watching my Celtics right now. They're on DVR. <laughs> now I can't talk Celtics Sixers with the guy because he's a Celtics fan? But here's, Ridiculous. Here's the thing, though. When I watch the game, I'm rooting for Kemba. I'm happy for Kemba. But I'm watching that game. I can't be the only Hornets fan, Bone, that is watching that game and thinking, oh, my gosh, look at Kemba stand there and watch Tatum go off for 21 in the first. That is exactly what we whined and begged for. Go get a star that can initiate offense, that can take over a game. Because on a great team, Kemba's not a lead star, but he's the second or third. 
He has Tatum, Jalen Brown. He's got Hayward. Now, Hayward got, uh, you know, ankle twist last night, so we'll see what happens. But it's like, like you don't watch Hayward, the game. Hayward also leaving at some point in the bubble here for the birth of his child. Oh, is he going to leave? Okay, I yeah, knew I it was coming so. up. Do you... You don't watch the game. Like, you and Preppy are Hornets fans. You guys don't watch these games that way. Like, you not can any, totally just lock into the playoffs and not, like, think about this. It's not good things. for your your health here. I know also, it's do not. You, do you watch the Wizards, Mac, and think about Bradley Beal a lot? Because they took MKG over Bradley Beal. <laughs> so, you could have Kemba and Bradley I, Beal for a number of years. Do you watch the Raptors at all and get jealous? Do you know why? Because in 2016, the Hornets took Malachi Richardson. Traded Malachi Richardson draft night for the rights to Marco Bellinelli. Do you know who went four picks later in that draft? Who? Pascal Siakam. I mean, the ones that are uh, far down the draft like that, I don't get mad I mean, about. I mean, like, come on. that's It's only four picks later. It's not like it was 20 picks like later. Like, former Hornets executive. I, of course, I was crying about this on Twitter yesterday. I got more of these, by the way. I, well, You're always crying. I was crying about this on Twitter, the Donovan Mitchell thing. And Pete Quelly, former marketing executive here, he went up to, he's an executive for the Giants now. And he said, Mac, get over it, man. He says, for example, same draft, Jokic went in the 40s. He says, you could do this throughout drafts, throughout history. If a guy goes late first round, like, that's the... I don't feel like I can cry about those as much. Siakam and Jokic and things like that. What about 2011? But, but, can, we, can we walk that one back real but quick? But the Donovan Mitchell one gets me the most because, Boney, your own head coach was stumping for him. Your own head coach knew what he's going to be. And, by the way, that head coach is doing great work with Orlando. And I, and I like Borrego. But he may still be here, Bone, right now if we had Donovan Mitchell and Kemba Walker together. And Kemba would probably still be here. I'm, I'm bringing What's these, the other I'm one bringing you're these bring up? up because it all if they would have made better picks before Donovan Mitchell, this wouldn't be a problem. For example, 2011, Kemba's year. Yes, they took Kemba Walker. They actually took him second in the lottery because they felt Bismack needed to be first. They took Bismack first. Do you know the players that could have been paired up with Kemba Walker that went like five or six picks later in 2011? Clay Thompson's one, right? Clay Thompson, uh, Kawhi. Vucevic from Orlando, who's an all-star center, and Tobias Harris. You could have paired Kemba Walker with Klay Thompson, Kawhi, Vucevic, or Tobias Harris and not Bismack. The point of me bringing these up is it all let – you shouldn't even have gotten to the point that you needed Donovan Mitchell. Look at all the guys they missed before Donovan Mitchell. So you're upset with Donovan Mitchell. There's 19 other guys. I know, but I think that makes it worse. By the way, you, didn't you, even have, you, you act like you broke up with Donovan Mitchell too. You didn't <laughs> if, even have him. If you're you got just, friend zone right away. If you're just joining us, Sports Radio FNZ, Mac and Bone – I'm basically lamenting the fact that, you know, things in the playoffs that are that should be fun, like Donovan Mitchell's 57 points, it's it, it brings back bad Hornets memories. I'm still not over. I wasn't even thinking that. about it until you started whining about and it. And I'm not over a lot of these other things you're talking about. I'm not over the fact that Kemba was never given the support here that he has in Boston, and it's frustrating. Um, I will say this again. Mitch Kupchak is doing a better job. There's no doubt about it than the previous regime. Here, You know which one I think, and I guess now we're in a conversation of which one. Like, all these things doesn't make it any better, Bone. It makes me more angry. I'm more on edge because they messed so many up. The worst one, I think, might be when they took Frank Kaminsky and Michael Jordan wanted him so badly that he would not do the trade with Boston. And the trade with Boston included six picks, four number one picks. There are reports out there that it, that either the Jason Tatum pick or the Jalen Brown pick from the Nets was included in the offer. <laughs> so we could have Jason freaking Tatum, but Michael Jordan needed Frank 
Kaminsky because it was the only game that he watched that didn't involve the Tar Heels all season in the in the NCAA tournament when Frank Kaminsky beat Kentucky or some stupid full, crap. Full disclosure, I, I liked Frank Kaminsky. I thought I, he'd be better. I actually, uh, I may have accidentally, or accidentally, I may have actually compared him uh, at one point to a new age uh, Dirk Nowitzki at one point. That, that did happen. <laughs> so I've got Curtis Samuel as Jerry Rice. So I'm not, look, some of these, yeah, I did like some of the picks, but we're doing a hindsight game here where, 2011 to 2018, and I'll say 18 because Michael Porter Jr. looks like he's going to be a star and Miles Bridges is not going to be a star. So what I'm saying here is I, I like some of these guys. I'm not going to rip them for taking all these guys, but in hindsight, there's so many Here, misses. Here's on what team. gets me, y'all, and I know I'm a whiner. I've, you know, there's different things going on out there with the audience. Some are saying Max a whiner, get over it. Um, oh, yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> somebody says this is the most depressing segment of sports radio ever. We live in Charlotte. We've had many depressing we're segments. Not even How going do you back, differentiate? We're not even going back to Sean Main Adam Morrison here. We, we, we cut it Morrison, off. Morrison, Rudy Gay, Morrison, Brandon Roy's being brought up. The audience is saying PJ over TJ. Was that a thing? T.J. Warren went after P.J. Hairston? Again, that's way down in the draft. I'm not going to get mad about T.J. Warren went way before P.J. Oh, Harrison. did he? Okay. All right. Well, then someone's screwing the pooch on that one. T.J. Warren me, went like 14 or 15. P.J. was Let was me just 40. say this. Is it not ridiculous, Bone, that they just, by dumb luck, couldn't get any of these right? Like It's insane and, to look and, at. And don't get me wrong. Like, Miles Bridge is a solid player. But Shea Gilgis-Alexander and, and Michael Porter Jr. were there. Like, it's just they end up with the role player... And not the star player a ton. And it's just, I, I don't know how it keeps happening over and over it's again. Insane. And I don't know whether to be angry or to shut the bleep up and just watch the playoffs. I just, I don't know, man. What did some, you can't blame them on because we didn't anticipate guys being this good. So yeah, in hindsight, like Pete Welly, uh, your friend was saying there that, yeah, in hindsight, there's always going to be that like 2013. I didn't bring it up. It's a terrible draft. They picked Cody Zeller four, right? Later on, end of the lottery, C.J. McCollum and Giannis go. But no one knew Giannis was good. But it, yeah. it just, in hindsight, it looks horrible. At the what? time, no one was thinking this uh, seven-footer from Greece was going to be an all-time great. But you look at it now, and you go, uh, oh, wow, we'd we'll love to have the other two guys. The hope is that Mitch Kupchak's making this difference. Also, the hope is that Michael Jordan had his fingerprints on a lot of those mess-ups, right? They also were doing it in a very whacked way back then, Bone. The way it was almost shared responsibility. Like, Jordan got to do the draft pick here. This guy got to say on this pick. Like, yeah. between coach, GM, and Jordan. And that's not the way to really run things. Now it is Mitch Kupchak's say. And I think they're doing it much better over there. If I can pick up the city of Charlotte after I just tore us down. Another one, too, is not a mistake, but it's just freaking luck. Is the Anthony Davis one. Like, I'm going to watch the Lakers tonight. Am I like, I'm not the only one that still watches Anthony Davis and still has post traumatic Hornets feelings. Or am I? <laughs> I? I think we're over that one by now. I'm they, not over any of it. Please man. move on. <laughs> Speaking of moving on, oh. can Panther fans move on from getting triggered by Matt Rule? What did Matt Rule do in practice yesterday that Panther fans all worked up again? We explain next on the Mac Attack on Sports Radio FNZ. Yesterday, you told us we were not going to get involved in drills and stuff, and that was not the case today. So just what was up with that today? Well, to be clear, I think I said I'm not going to hit anybody. So I, I hit the bag, <laughs> which is way better. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize there was a camera on me. It's my fault. Um, I, uh, you know, I just walked by the D-line, and I was just having a little fun with them, like, you know, saying, hey, I can do it. You know, they were all doing it, and I said, I can do it. Watch. So, um, 
when I got off I got off the field and walked into my phone and I had guys I've coached before sending sent already started sending it to me laughing at me. So <laughs> hopefully uh hopefully at least I didn't get hurt. I guess that's the positive thing. Uh, let me tell you, that was some glorious video yesterday from Panthers practice. Uh, it was Matt Rule, who you heard there. We are Sports Radio FNZ. Mac and Bone with you. And for anybody that's missed it, you have to find a way. And I'm sure, I, and, and I retweeted it yesterday throughout the day, but you got to find this if you have not seen it already. It is glorious video. And it's just part of what I love about Matt Rule. And we're going to talk about Matt Rule here. And Bone and I obviously are big fans. And I, I just. I continue to be amazed at how a guy has not coached a game yet and has people so staunchly against everything he does, including this. This thing he did yesterday somehow got people triggered on Twitter, some Panther fans. I don't understand it. He, Over what? He said to the D-line, he explained it there, but for people who didn't see it, he said to the, his D-linemen as they're doing D-line drills where they go through all these ta- tackling dummies, you know? Yeah. Um, he says, watch me, I can do this drill. He goes through this drill. And it is so, like, just goofy the way he is going through these tackling dummies. It's At like a comedian point. doing a physical comedy. So it's like it's like Kevin James doing physical comedy on Mars. Yeah, it, it, looks like. it was. like, And at one point, he swings his arm around, goes into the dummy backwards, and falls down <laughs> over it. And then he gets up, and then he runs to a dummy 10 yards downfield and tackles it and plops on top of it. And here's this chunky dude <laughs> running around. His pants fell down. He had to pull his shorts up at the end of this thing. Like, it really was physical comedy. Like, I, the example I was trying to use is, like, I would envision if Michael Scott was a football coach doing a drill. <laughs> like, this is how it would look. You say Kevin James. It looks silly. It was something he did to be silly, to lighten the mood, to show his players, I'm going to have a little fun. We take things seriously, but I'm going to have a little fun. This is old players. He said, I was getting texts from all over the country. My former players saying, I saw the video. It's hilarious. Like, I, this is the kind of stuff that we as fans, and I'm sure the players, should love about Matt Rule, Boney. But yesterday, what did I find? People triggered by it. Why He's a clown. Someone called him oh a clown. Someone said, that is cringe. I don't know. Is this a new saying or something where you don't say cringe worthy, but you just call it cringe? I've noticed this lately. I, that like I, some, I don't have an answer on that Is that, that like one. something the kiddies are saying? Because that's the, kind of annoying. The rule haters are cringe. <laughs> I, I will say this, though. If you want to get mad at them, the technique was bad. It wasn't great. It wasn't great teaching. He, no. Like Max said, he went into one of the dummies. Uh, with his back to it, elbowed it in the face. I don't think you're going to do that during a game. So his technique was off. Rip him for that. But didn't the, the the fact that he did it and showed his players, whatever I got to do, I'm on your side. You do this, I do this too. That goes a long way with players. And I just and and so here's here's the question: Like, are you watching camp? And I'm asking, I'm saying this to you, and I'm saying this to everybody that's locked in with us that is a Panther fan, and we're all trying to judge what's this coach about? How's he different than Rivera? We know now he's got faster paced practices. We know now he does silly stuff like that. I don't see Coach Rivera, who, by the way, would use perfect form. <laughs> Matt Rule was a walk-on linebacker um, uh, at Penn State. I see why and, he was the walk-on. And Rivera was a Super Bowl champion at linebacker and one of the best defenses ever. But it doesn't, again, that doesn't mean anything. I saw this too. I saw, yeah, someone was making comments. You know, he's a walk-on. He should leave that to the, to the co- position coaches. It's just people are taking this stuff way too seriously. I'm watching Matt Rule right now and learning about him, and I am falling more in love with him as a coach. 
Like, I am truly believing in him more. When you listen to Trey Boston talk about Matt Rule as a guy, as a coach and how honesty is with these guys and how the players respect honesty, and you hear Teddy Bridgewater, Bone, going in about Matt Rule and how energetic he is and how his energy is contagious. Teddy Bridgewater said about the whole staff, too, because, by the way, this is a Matt Rule thing that spreads down to the staff. Teddy Bridgewater says these coaches are flying around out here like players. He says, he says they'll all hop into drills, and he said, I found myself looking over and trying to, who is that over there? And it's a coach <laughs> flying around. That stuff makes an impact on players. How are fans not liking this stuff, man? Wasn't Joe Brady, didn't Joe Person yesterday tell us that Joe Brady was playing DB the other day at one point during a drill? Yeah, Joe, with a face shield out there yeah, playing Joe Br- The OC is playing with a face shield playing defensive back. You know what it all stems from, Matt. It all stems, again, everything, all the Matt rule hate in my opinion, comes from Cam stuff. There is a certain part of the fan base that can't separate Cam being gone from Matt Rule being here. They think it all ties in together. For example, if Cam was out there yesterday, Matt Rule did the same thing yesterday, and Cam is out there watching, laughing. Are fans going to hate it? No, fans Cam, probably think it's Cam a great Instagram's thing ever. Out, the Cam seal of approval. If Cam Instagram's out, that's my coach or whatever. If Cam was involved in it somehow, out there messing around with it. They would love Matt Rule. They'd say, look at Matt Rule and Cam having fun. And everything that's anti-Matt Rule has to do with them blaming uh, him for Cam not being here. That's and, what it is. And that that is, is I, don't think there's any, I don't think there's any other way to look at it. And that is absurd because, as I understand it, he, it was not really his decision. So I, what, you're getting mad at somebody over nothing. I believe, Bone, that I have never seen a coach before he even coaches a game be the be the um, target of so much animosity from his own fan base, and it doesn't make sense to me. I have never seen this before. Like, honestly, y'all think about it. If you have a negative feeling about Matt Rule right now, just think about how silly it is. He has not coached a football game yet. And I saw someone yesterday, and here's the game they're going to play, too. People that don't like Matt Rule, Bone, are going to play this game. Oh, my God, this team's 1-5 and five out of the gate. I had a guy text me and say, all that stuff he does is, fu- is, is funny now. Ain't going to be so funny when they're one and five. We have to stop thinking about record this year. That shouldn't matter. It should be about the process. And if you're going to judge Matt Rule and what kind of record he gets out to with this inexperienced team with no continuity and li- and limited practice time, that's not fair. So the, the reasons why people get mad or disgruntled with Matt Rule, so he brings in too many Baylor or Temple players. That's one thing, right? If you go through the list of things that people have been triggered by, whether it's this thing or the other day people are mad about changing the practice jersey colors. It's almost like some ridiculous things that we would say that people got mad at Cam for. Gum chewing, um, all the things that, that people got mad at Cam for. We said, why are people mad at the way he the way he takes his time with the line of scrimmage? Like There's little things along the way that now people are getting mad at the little things that Matt Rule does. But when you put it down on paper, it all, it all is circled with... He, they think he got rid of Cam. That, that's it. The, they would not be mad at Matt Rule for these other things if Cam was still here. They wouldn't. Is, 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 is it that simple? Is it that I simple it for Panther fans? Well, here's the next question. If you're not falling in love with things like, and how about this one? We talked about this earlier. How about what he did, Bone, where he allowed all the dads to stay home with their kids late for school? First day of school. Help them get off to school or help them just log on and all that stuff and be there for them and be a dad. Like is it, are any of these things winning fans over? That's it. Or, How or, many coaches are? Do, I think Belichick's doing that. 
Is Belichick allowing that to happen? There's no days no. off. Even when your kids start school, there's you no should, days you, you off. Should, I mean, honestly, you probably should have thought of, you, shouldn't let, have had, you shouldn't have had kids this age. At the if time. I have kids, I leave them with my dog. My dog logs on the computer and drafts for me and also gets the kids on to virtual school. That's a very bad <laughs> that's Bel- Belichick. That's a very bad Belichick impression, though, isn't it? You got to be <laughs> very careful with Belichick because you can also morph into Shaq really quick. So you <laughs> Mine was horrible, man. You can morph into Shaquille O'Neal. No, but the point is, <laughs> not many coaches are going to do that. Matt Rule is a player's coach. He and, is. yes, we see why coaches want to follow him around. We see why Temple players say, you know what? Robbie Anderson, for example, I need to be with that guy. We see why Tahir Whitehead said, you know what? I need to be with that guy again. Baylor players want to be with that guy. It's not just all about Matt Rule wanting those guys. Those guys also want to be with Matt Rule again. So here's the thing. Why can't we unify behind Matt Rule? Like somebody said something the other day, Bone, that has bothered me for two days straight. No, I can't believe so, it. And I, I, as somebody said on Twitter, Mac used to be a unifying Panther force. Now all he does is divide us. All he does is divide us. But is this an example of dividing us? I'm trying to bring us together and show, man, look at some of the cool stuff our coach is doing. Listen to what some of the players are saying about his style. Look at what he did at Baylor in circumstances that were insane. Temple as well. Like, I just, why can't we all give him a chance? People are writing him off, Bone, for the goofiest reasons ahead of time. And I'm being called a divider. It's driving me crazy. No, see, do gonna, I have to put my pom-poms no. on right now and lead a cheer? Uh, do I need to do a Matt Rule victory dance or something to unify everybody? Because I feel it's 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 not my fault. It's everybody else's fault out there who's upset about Cam or whatever they're mad about. Uh, am I forgetting something here? Was the fan base not divided with Cam over the last 10 years before this? Were they not divided about Jake the Loam and whether or not we like Jake or not and Peppers? That's been divided for a long time. It's not because of Matt rules here. Matt and to do with Mac. The fan base has been divided for a long time. A lot of fan bases are divided. It wasn't exactly 99% Cam. And you tell him, Bone. You tell him. Get him, baby. It wasn't 99% Cam and 1% didn't like Cam. Uh, it was pretty split for a long period of time here on Cam. Trust me, we talked about it every single day. Uh, by the way, did you Jeez. see Did you see Cam? Yes. Grow up. Did you? Uh, Boney's like my attack dog sometimes. Now, sometimes he'll attack me. Sometimes he'll bite his owner. But sometimes, Boney, oh, that's annoying. Boney will be my attack coach. dog and it just sick him, Boney. Just sick all the rollators and Boney. Matt Rule hasn't coached a game yet. <laughs> and I guarantee you this, all these people that hate Matt Rule, you won't find them after a couple years, will you? Well, I've always believed in Matt Rule since the day. No, no, you're a liar. Shut up. But here's the question. Are we being divisive? Or are they being? I know, I know, they're I say, being divisive. We're but, liking the coach here. It's not divisive to like the but coach. I know, I sound like I'm saying, "Mom, he did it first, or "Mom, he started it." But honestly, when you think about it, two guys sitting here on the radio being excited about a coach, albeit not in the pros, but in college, who has some amazing rebuilding credentials, who has an energy about him at practice, which is cool, who seems to have trust of players very early, like. I don't know. How are we the bad guys here in the fan base? It's very cringe. I, it's, it's, it's very, very cringe. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told to stop saying triggered as well, that that is what the kids say. Oh, I feel like not. triggered is a more adult thing. Triggered is not a, t- a term anymore kids use? I thought that was like the I thing. I triggered and moved to adults now. I don't know. Yes, what you are every day. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of cringe, good morning, preps. Uh, you talk about cringe. Oh, this isn't a mirror over here. You, you want to know what is to me? You want to know what is cringe, kids? When Preppy gets on here and talks Panthers, or when Preppy does that, first of e- evil all, hold Panthers on a laugh. Hold on a second. <laughs> you're, you're you're talking down to the Panthers fan base right now, which is what I I'm do not a lot of. Da- so you're so you're agreeing with me, basically. Oh, see, is what you're doing. That's you're another saying, one. That's yeah, another one. Thank you. You're that, agreeing with me. That's another one. Guy said you're condescending. You're not divisive. You're condescending. That's exactly what you're condescending. We're trying to defend our head coach who does not deserve to be scrutinized, criticized, 
and ostracize. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you criticize me for what I say about Panthers fans all the time, and you're saying the same exact thing right now. But I don't know why Johnny Cochran appeared on the Panther show. Panther fans are so annoying. You should have heard yourself during the break. Panther fans are so annoying. Like They're but such little... I have a, I have this a, is annoying about Matt Rule. And that's how boom. they always are. Oh, hold on now. Get hold used on. to it. Hold on now. Boom. Help me out here. Yes. Is it not okay within family to go oh, after your own go. to go after here your own go. family? Hey, Panther fans, give them a chance. You're not being fair. But like when Preppy does it, he's out of our family. He's not in our Panther family. He fair shouldn't be allowed weather to is laugh what they are. and talk about our Panther family. Fair weather. I figured out how no, to get. No, that's not I figured it. They're out, just hung up on Cam. I figured out how to fair get weather. more Matt Rule fans uh, in the area. Preppy, would you rather have Sean McDermott or Matt Rule? One hundred million percent Sean McDermott. There we go. Come on, everybody, rebel. Matt Rule's going to prove to be the better coach. Agree. <laughs> oh man, we'll see, man. Listen, I know for I know all this stuff makes for sports radio conversations. It's where we're at as a fan base trying to go through this transition. I just think there are signs out there if everybody opens their eyes up that can encourage you when we're looking for hope. We'll see. Only time will tell. Ultimately, obviously. Uh, next up, kitties, we got to change it up to this college football mess. Howard Griffith, former Big Ten football player, now a Big Ten network analyst. Does the conference deserve all this blame?